A Trastavery Walk Trastavery, the colorful neighborhood across the river from downtown Rome, is the place to immerse yourself in the crustier side of the eternal city. You'll discover a secret hidden city of heroic young martyrs, lovers kissing on Vespas, and feisty Trastaverini, old-timers who pride themselves on never setting foot on the opposite bank of the Tiber River. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Thanks for joining me on this half-mile walk from the island in the Tiber River to the Church of Santa Maria in Trastevere. This walk is designed to train your eye to see Rome more intimately. Along with old churches, statues, and mosaics, we'll see the Rome of today. Apartments with rooftop terraces, kids playing soccer in the piazza, and narrow lanes draped with drying laundry. The walk works well any time of day. In the morning, it's cool and the churches are open. At dusk, it's especially atmospheric with more people out. And in the evening, you can top the walk off with a memorable meal. How to use this audio guide. As you can see from the display window on your MP3 player, each of Trastavery's greatest hits has its own title and track number, much like the song tracks of a music CD or album. You can skip ahead or tailor your itinerary to your own tastes. But navigating through Trastavery on your own can be confusing, and it's easiest to just follow the tour in the order I've laid out. To help you, I've invited my colleague Lisa along. Benvenuta, Lisa. Ciao, Ricardo. She'll give directions from one site to the next. After listening to Lisa's directions, you can pause the audio guide, then restart it at the next track when you're ready for the next site. Be aware that even with the best of directions, sightseeing this neighborhood can be confusing. Traffic can be rerouted, buildings covered with scaffolding, and churches can close at odd hours without notice. If you're taking this tour with my Rick Steves Audio Europe app, don't miss its latest features. There are zoomable maps showing the route in each stop. These are viewable while you listen. A 20-second rewind button allows you to catch something you might have missed or hear vital directions a second time. And the speed button makes me talk faster, chipmunk style. You can read the actual script of this tour, and if you'd like more information on the spot, you can download our entire guidebook on this destination with a couple of clicks. Those following this tour on their iPod rather than with my fancier app may find that my guidebook to this place, with its maps, photos, and exhibit titles, can make following this audio tour easier. Be flexible. And don't hesitate to show the picture of a site to a local or one of your fellow travelers and ask for help. Dove? That's Italian for where is. Per favore. That means please. Non essere un cretino. Don't be a cretin? Well, I hope you won't need to say that, but this is Rome with an edge. Oh, and one little request. Forgive my Italian pronunciations. I anglicize them for easier understanding and because I'm still learning. Now, let's head to Trastevere and get started. Lisa, take us in. Thanks, Rick. And non essere un cretino. Okay, I'll do my best. The tour begins. Isola Tiberina and the Tiber River. Start at Isola Tiberina, the island in the Tiber River, crossed by a bridge, Ponte Cestio. This bridge has led from downtown Rome to the Trastevere neighborhood since ancient times. In fact, Trastevere literally means across the Tavere, or the other side of the Tiber River. Begin halfway across the Ponticestio at the high point of the bridge. 
Note that the bridge is also called Ponte Fabricio. Enjoy the view of the river and the island from the high point of the bridge as Rick sets the scene. Rome got its start 3,000 years ago along the Tiber River, right about here. This was as far upstream as big boats could sail and the first place the river could be crossed by bridge. As a center of river trade, Rome connected the interior of the Italian peninsula with the Mediterranean. The area below you would have been bustling in ancient times. Look down and imagine a busy little port, water mills, ramshackle boats, and platforms for fishing. The island itself was once the site of a temple dedicated to Asclepius, the god of medicine. Ancient Romans who were ill spent the night here and left little statues of their healed body parts, feet, livers, hearts, and so on, as thank-you notes. This tradition survives. Today, throughout Italy, Catholic altars are often encrusted with votive offerings, symbolizing gratitude for answered prayers. During plagues and epidemics, the sick were isolated on this island. These days, the island's largest building is the Fata Bene Fratelli, the public hospital favored by Roman women for childbirth. The island's reputation for medical care lives on. The high point of the bridge, which you're probably leaning on, is an ancient stone with a faded inscription. It dates from 370 A.D., when this bridge, which was already at that point 400 years old, was rebuilt. The eroding plaque is stapled into the balustrade like a piece of recycled scrap. Look at the top line, just right of center, and run your fingers over the word. Caesar. This part of the Tiber River flooded frequently, which unfortunately made the once miserable land on the north bank the ideal location for the medieval Jewish ghetto. Rome's domed synagogue, which you can see from here, marks that historic neighborhood. And I might add, the ghetto is covered in another Rick Steves audio tour, also starting on this bridge. In the 1870s, the Romans removed the threat of flooding by practically walling off the Tiber. They built the tall, anonymous embankments that continue to isolate the river from the city today. Now, let's plunge into Trastevere. Head south, away from the island in the Tiber. Along the riverbank, you'll pass the green kiosk called Sora Morella. It's on the right. In warm weather, this is the most famous vendor of the local summer refresher called Grata Kekka. Shaved ice with fruit-flavored syrup and chopped fruit. It's similar to an American granita. Mmm. Cross the busy boulevard and go down the steps into the car-filled square. It's called Piazza in Piscinula. I'll grab a grattacheca and catch up later. Piazza in Piscinula. This square is famous for its church bell tower. That's the cute little thing directly across from the bridge. Dating from 1069, it's the oldest working bell tower in the city. Study the brown building on the riverside of the square and spot the faint traces of Renaissance decoration. The earth-toned shades of today's city echo this original Roman brown. Facing the tower, exit the square from the far right corner, opposite where you entered. Head uphill on Via dell'Arco del Tolomei, while Rick describes sights along the way. Trastavery's Back Lanes 
Look up and directly ahead to the top of the hill to see the elegantly restored, freshly painted tower sandwiched between apartments. In medieval times, Rome's skyline had 300 of these towers. Today, about 50 survive. Each noble family competed for the tallest tower until, in about 1250, city authorities got fed up and had them all lopped off. Later architects incorporated some of the remaining stumps into newer buildings, and you can still see these remnants of medieval Rome all over the old center. Incorporating old structures into new ones was always considered more economical and practical than demolishing and starting again from scratch. In the Middle Ages, Rome had regressed to being little more than a big village. Any idea of town planning was lost for centuries. Notice the plants spilling over the many rooftop terraces, the Roman equivalent of a leafy backyard. An attico con terrazzo, penthouse with a terrace, is every Roman's dream. Continue on, walking under the low arch. Lots of aristocratic buildings were connected by these elevated passages. Imagine herds of sheep shuffling through here in medieval times while smoke billowed from the windows and doors of humble homes that lacked chimneys. When you reach the intersection with Via de Salumi, turn left. Via de Salumi, that's Salami or Cold Cut Street, is one of many alleys here named for the local businesses that once thrived in this neighborhood. Because of its vicinity to the river, Trastavery was always a commercial neighborhood. The streets, rarely paved, were clogged by a commotion of shop stalls. The red-brown building on your right is a school from the Mussolini era. It's pretty ugly, unless you're a fascist. The fascist leader believed in the classical motto, Mens sana in corpore sano, a healthy mind in a healthy body. Il Duce loved being seen fencing, boxing, swimming, and riding. Schools built during his rule come with top-end gyms. After passing the school, turn right again and head up the Alley of the Athlete. That's Vicolo del Atleta. Check out the latest fashions in underwear, hanging out to dry. Apartments in Rome tend to be small, and electricity is more expensive than in the U.S. That's why many Romans don't have clothes dryers. Strolling here, you'll understand why the Italian language has no word for privacy. They use our word and just roll the R. Privacy. Si, bene. Simply reading a letter on the metro attracts a crowd. If someone has a fight or a particularly good orgasm, the entire neighborhood knows. Young lovers with no place to go are really good at riding Vespas while parked. All around, ancient fragments are recycled ingloriously into medieval buildings. Halfway down the alley on the right is a restaurant that, a thousand years ago, was a synagogue. Find the Hebrew letters faintly inscribed on the base of the columns of the exposed brick. A large part of Rome's Jewish community, which was the most ancient outside Palestine, lived right here in Trastavery. They lived here until the popes moved them over the bridge and into the ghetto on the other side of the river in the 1500s. Our next stop is the Church of St. Cecilia. When you reach Via dei Genovesi, turn left. Then turn right on Via di Santa Cecilia. That leads into Piazza di Santa Cecilia. This square was the convent courtyard of the church. Enter it and sit by the fountain. Take a moment to enjoy the peace and quiet while Rick tells the story.
the Church of St. Cecilia, or Chiesa Santa Cecilia. Trastevere has many early Christian churches like St. Cecilia. This is because, in the 2nd and 3rd centuries, a large community of foreigners lived here, including early Christians from Greece and Judea. They introduced their cultures and religions to the neighborhood. Notice the church's eclectic exterior. The mismatched columns were recycled from pagan temples. The typical medieval bell tower sports an 18th-century facade. Now go inside the church. The church is dedicated to Cecilia, patron saint of musicians and singers. That's why it's popular for weddings. Of Rome's 40 medieval churches, many have two-year waiting lists for weekend weddings. Most young Roman couples favor the more sober elegance of medieval churches over the fancy Baroque, which are dismissed as troppo pesante, too heavy. Regardless of the venue, the typical Italian wedding gown is far from understated. Once inside, head for the altar. In a case below the altar, find the statue of St. Cecilia. It was sculpted in 1600 by Stefano Maderno. Cecilia was an ancient Roman from a wealthy family who converted to the forbidden faith of Christianity. She revealed her faith to her pagan husband on their wedding night and told him of her aspiration to remain chaste. Uh-oh. Lucky for Cecilia, an angel appeared and managed to reason with and then convert the frustrated groom. Cecilia's husband devoted himself to carrying out Christian burials in the catacombs until he himself was martyred. Cecilia was condemned as well. Bummer. Wait, it gets worse. The Romans tried for three days to suffocate her with steam from her bath to make it appear accidental. Miraculously, she survived. So they beheaded her. Cecilia bequeathed her house to the neighborhood community, and this spot has been a place of worship ever since. In the days when Christianity was illegal, wealthy converts like Cecilia hosted mass for the local community in their homes. When Christians were finally allowed to worship openly and build churches, they often built on the sites of these homes for the sake of continuity. While the Church of St. Cecilia originated in the 3rd century, what we see today was built in the 9th century and extensively restored in the 18th century. Viewing Moderno's statue of Cecilia, remember that during the Catholic Counter-Reformation, art was a propaganda tool for the Church. It was charged with great emotional impact in order to counter the Protestants and enhance the Catholic faith. The Counter-Reformation appetite for relics led to a search for Cecilia's remains. When her tomb was opened, the sculptor Moderno was there. He claimed, along with other bystanders, to have seen her body perfectly preserved for an unforgettable instant before it turned to dust. He created this touching statue from his memory of that scene. Cecilia lies with her face turned and hidden, the violence of her death suggested only by the gash in her neck. The position of her fingers indicates the oneness of the Trinity. Like Italians today, Cecilia counted, starting with her thumb. The canopy above the altar dates from the 1200s. It represents an innovative fusion of Roman and French Gothic architecture and sculpture. Looking at this, it's clear the artist, Arnolfo di Cambio, both knew his classics and had been to Paris. The mosaic behind the altar, in the apse, dates from the 9th century. Cecilia stands on the far right. 
Pope Pascal, on the far left, who built the church back in the 9th century, holds a little model of it in his hands. His square halo signifies he was alive when the mosaic was made. His small head suggests he was less important than the others in the scene. By the way, if you visit late in the morning, you may be able to visit two parts of the church that are only open a few hours each day. Downstairs is the crypt, which contains the ancient remains of Cecilia's house where those neighborhood Christians first worshipped back in ancient Roman times. It's pretty bare, but it does have some early Christian iconography, original mosaic floors, and storage bins for grain. Upstairs in the loft are some wonderful 700-year-old frescoes. To get there, you'll need to ask the nuns to open the door on the left side of the facade. If you get in, you can climb to the loft where cloistered nuns would view the mass while hidden behind a screen. It contains extraordinary frescoes of angels. They were painted in around 1300 by Pietro Cavallini, a contemporary of Giotto. Scholars debate who influenced whom, Giotto or Cavallini. But there's no debate at all that the art here shows cutting-edge proto-Renaissance realism in the expressive faces of the angels who sit believably in their chairs. Leave the church and backtrack to the left, returning to Via de Genovese. When you reach Via de Genovese, turn left again. Head straight west several blocks to a busy street. It will take a few minutes to get there, so pause the audio guide and restart it when Via de Genovese hits the busy boulevard called Viale Trastevere. By the way, there's a great pizzeria called I Marmi just to the left on busy Viale Trastevere at number 53. Now, pause the audio guide and restart it when you reach the busy boulevard. Viale Trastevere to Piazza Santa Maria The wide, modern boulevard called Viale Trastevere slices through the middle of Trastevere. Trastevere is so interesting today for good reason— Except for the building of this street, the neighborhood was spared the kind of demolishing and rebuilding that transformed and modernized other traditional neighborhoods back when Rome became the capital of a united Italy in 1870. Cross to the other side of Viale Trastevere. You may need to pause the audio guide until you get there. I'll wait. Once on the other side, turn right, then left, into a little square called Largo San Giovanni di Mata. Pass by the tourist information kiosk and the textbook Baroque facade of the faded yellow church and continue to Via Lungaretta. Follow Via Lungaretta straight toward our next stop, Piazza Santa Maria. It's several blocks away. Once on Via Lungaretta, you'll notice a change in atmosphere. The quiet, mystical charm of the first part of your walk has given way to livelier, more colorful, more touristy, and higher-rent surroundings. Look up. Now, along with underwear, you see modern art. Continue walking straight several blocks until Via Lungaretta spills into the spacious Piazza Santa Maria. Dominating the square is the Church of Santa Maria in Trastevere, with its facade decorated with mosaics of palm trees. Take a seat facing the church on the fountain steps.
Santa Maria in Trastevere, the piazza and the church. You're in the heart of the neighborhood. Piazza Santa Maria is the district's most important meeting place. The 17th century fountain was actually designed to be the sofa of the neighborhood, with its broad and inviting steps. During major soccer games, a large screen is set up here so that everybody can share in the excitement. At other times, children gather here with a ball and improvise matches of their own. The Church of Santa Maria in Trastevere, one of Rome's oldest, was built on the site of another home where early Christians worshipped illegally. Then, after Christianity was legalized in 312, a basilica was built here. This is considered the first church dedicated to the Virgin Mary. The tower survives from the 12th century church. Approach the church and step into the portico. That's the covered area just outside the door. The portico is decorated with ancient fragments carved with early Christian symbolism. Many of these stones were lids to burial niches from the catacombs. Notice how carvings on the fragments show how early Christians prayed with both hands raised, as some Christians do to this day. Step inside. Immediately to the left of the entry, a plaque on the wall is dedicated to Olia Sancta. The holy oil was actually a small petroleum deposit discovered here 30 years before Christ. This black liquid was considered almost magical in its ability to power lamps, and it was incorporated into the lore of this church. Grab a pew. Most of what you see dates from around the 12th century, but the granite columns are from ancient Roman buildings. Later architects tried hard to match them, but notice how the shorter columns have taller bases and how the capitals are mismatched. Some of the capitals have tiny pagan heads of Egyptian gods. The ancient basilica floor plan and the ancient ambience survives. Look up. The intricate coffered ceiling has an unusual image at the center. It's Mary, painted on copper. Now, step up behind the main altar on the left side. Take a closer look at the fine mosaic work, which dates from the 8th to the 10th centuries. Pop a coin in the box for more light. The central scene is one of the few surviving examples of an early medieval mosaic in Rome. It's rich in symbolism. Christ is flanked by the first two popes. Notice the stature Mary is given. Tour guides claim this is the first mosaic to show Mary at the throne with Jesus in heaven. He has his arm around his mother as if introducing her to us. Sitting below Jesus, Mary, and the two popes is the throne-like chair of the bishop, giving legitimacy to the church leadership. The flock of sheep is not just any flock. The sheep represent Jesus in the middle, marked by a halo with a cross in it, and the twelve apostles. The more modern mosaic panels show scenes from the life of Mary. These mosaics date from about 1300. While impressively realistic and expressive, they predate the Renaissance by a hundred years. The first of these six panels, to the left of the curved apse, shows the birth of Mary. A servant in the corner checks the temperature of the water with her hand before she bathes the baby. This introduces an element of tenderness that breaks the abstract rigidity of medieval art. Next comes five more scenes. The Annunciation when the angel announces to Mary that she'll be giving birth to the Messiah. After that, panels show Jesus' birth, the adoration of the Magi, 
the presentation of Jesus in the temple, and Mary's eternal sleep, technically not her death. The gold mosaic background shows buildings that, while still unrealistic, are a good step toward accurate 3D representation. The incredibly expensive 13th century floor is a fine example of mosaic work by the famed Cosmati family. Their unique style features intricate geometric shapes, in this case, shapes made with marble scavenged from ancient Roman ruins. On your way out, spend a moment with St. Anthony, his statue's in the back of the church. Facing the door you entered through, he's in the far right corner. Anthony is a favorite of the poor, and he's inundated with prayer requests on scraps of paper. The community of St. Egidio operates from this church. They feed the local poor and care for young drug addicts. Each Christmas, they take out all the pews, move in tables and chairs, and put on a huge dinner for those in need. Take some time to enjoy the Church of Santa Maria in Trastevere. When you're ready to leave, step outside into the heart of Rome's most colorful district. Explore. The farther you venture from the square, the less touristy and more rustic the neighborhood becomes. Pondering the earthy enthusiasm people seem to have for life here, I can imagine that bygone day when proud Trastevere locals would brag that they never crossed the river. That's it for this tour. We hope you enjoyed your walk through Trastevere. If you're in the mood to extend this walk, head to the river, cross the pedestrian bridge, Ponte Sisto, and make your way to Campo dei Fiori. If you're up for more Rome sites, we also have audio tours available for the Colosseum, Forum, Pantheon, Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Pompeii, Ostia Antica, and the Jewish Ghetto. By the way, the ghetto walk starts on the same bridge this tour did. Remember, this tour was excerpted from the Rick Steves Rome Guidebook, co-authored with Gene Openshaw. For more details on eating, sleeping, and sightseeing in Rome, refer to this year's edition of that guidebook. For more free audio tours and podcasts, and for information about our TV shows, bus tours, and travel gear, visit our website at ricksteves.com. Thanks to Francesca Caruso, a local guide here in Rome, and Jean Openshaw, co-authors of this tour. This tour was produced by Cedar House Audio Productions. Grazie. Arrivederci. And buon, buon viaggio. viaggio.